0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Joshua 1 and 8 tells us that the meditation on the law of God will bring prosperity and success to the person who does it. In today's message, Pastor Edward Anderson teaches the powerful truth contained in this passage in a message titled Meditation to Success. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Let's receive him with some praise. Amen. Amen.
1: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's just uh, pray and dive into the word. Amen. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit because he is our illuminator. He will teach, train, guide, and give us direction concerning your Word. So I just pray that each person here today may have a spiritual heart to embrace the reality of your truth that comes forward today. I pray their eyes are open to see the plan, purpose, and destiny you have for their lives right now. Let their ears be open to receive the engrafted word, is able to change and transform their lives. I come against a spirit of hindrance. I break a spirit of slumber right now. I pray they fully alert God to embrace your word. I declare, I decree it done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. Pastor Derry called me Edward. I like that. I am going to tell you why in a second. You know, in the Old Testament, a name meant something. Had a meaning behind it. A lot of folks call me Ed. That's not really my name. My name is Edward. There's a big difference. And I say that because Edward means wealthy guardian. So if you call me Edward, I'm like, oh, I'm a wealthy guardian. I don't know what Ed means. (laughs) I respond to it, but I don't know what Ed means. Okay? So when he said Edward, my ears perked up. They're already big, but they got bigger. Wealthy guardian. If you have your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, you can get ahead of me, and you can go to uh, Psalms chapter one. And if you like me, I got a little doohickey in my Bible. I can just divide them up. You can go to Joshua chapter one as well too. Y'all probably saying, "What in the world? This boy bring some golf clubs to church for?" This is my tools, man. Don't mess with my tools. I know it's the Masters week, but uh, I got a little training two I want to give to you guys right now. You know, God has a way of uh, teaching us different things. Amen? There are four different learning styles. There's your visual learners. There's those who can listen and hear something, and they got it just like that. And then there's those who can uh, they'll read something, they write something, and they'll get it. But then we had this group that's called kinesthetic. That means that they have to put their hands to it in order to actually see it begins to manifest. All right. So I'm going to use my golf clubs as a demonstration on on that principle. When Jesus got together with his disciples, he always taught in parables. He taught in parables because he wanted to give them an illustration of a moral or spiritual principle that they can comprehend. So I'm going to read this to you in Mark. And I think that every believer should read Mark four. All the time and really get it within their souls. In Mark chapter 4, I'll read it to you. I'm again reading in verse 2. It says, And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went I sore to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth and immediately it sprang up and because it had no depth of earth but when the sun was up it was scorched and because it had no root it withered away and some fell among thorns and a thorn sprung grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit and other fell on what good ground and it did yield fruit and it sprang up and increased, and brought forth through some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And he said unto them, He that hath ears, to hear, let him hear. Then I'm drop down to verse number fourteen. The sore soweth the word. The sore soweth the word. The word is very critical in a believer's life. Without the word inside of you, you're going to be a drifter in life, a believer, but a drifter. You need the word of God because it will give you direction and guidance for your life. Yes, he has given you the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is always going to confirm what God has said through what we call the rhema word. Amen. But when you get the word, there's always a tactical assignment against the word. You're going to have the word, but there's going to come an assignment of the enemy trying to get the word out of you. Verse 15 says this, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Pastors there, he preaches the word of God. You get excited about the word of God. You go home and then immediately the enemy is trying to get the word from you. Because if he gets the word, he knows there's no growth, there's no maturity, and guess what? There will not be an attack on his kingdom. See, you should be able to use this word to utilize, to stop or to abort his plan, his purposes in life. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he use? He used the word only. Now, I know you think that, oh, man, why all this happening to me? You know why it's happened to you? Because you're not in heaven. You're still here on the earth rim, and you still got that devil running around in this arena because he got kicked out of heaven. See, he's not going back there. So he's down here running in havoc in the earth rim. So you're going to have advers- adversarial come against you daily. But your job is to use this tool that God has given us to ward off the attacks of the enemy. And he's coming. Oh, he, you can bet he's coming. Because we're not in heaven yet. Not only that, the earth is still under a curse. You're not, the Bible says you've been redeemed from the curse. But the earth itself is still under the curse. That's why I got to be a new heaven, a new earth. We have hurricanes and tornadoes. The earth is still under the curse, saints. So don't get all upset because the earth is shaking and rattling and roaring. The earth is still under the curse. But you're redeemed. Amen. You've been redeemed. So I use my, my golf as an illustration here of some principles that I learned on how to use this thing called self control. Now, I'm a very competitive person. I always want to win. But in golf, there are nine core values that people should use before they take it to the course. Nine. Now, we got some bootleg golfers, you know, want to be golfers. And I hate playing with them because they always got a little scheme, a trick they're trying to do. Like, I know, I'm sitting here watching their ball a lake to the right and trees to the left. That ball went to the water, but yet, all of a sudden, that ball appears. Bootleg golfers. <laughs> well, part of those nine cores is honesty. Nine cores, so whenever a young child is going through a golf program, they always sit them down class first, and they go over the nine values, nine core values, and one of them is honesty. Right? Free from deceit. You know, because like I said, on the golf course, everybody wants to deceive you. Now, when I play now. I've been playing for a long time. The first question I was asked there, I would say, what's your handicap? It's really high. Well, she's honest. She says, really high. But you ask her brother that, oh, man, I'm a scratch golfer. A scratch simply means that you play very well. I'll look at him for a while and say, he's lying. <laughs> he's not a scratch golfer. He's not being honest and using the core values. You know, I understand. Now, this, don't take this personal now. I understand why golf didn't come to our community for a long time. Golf is not like basketball. It's not like football. The rah-rah and all that stuff, no, no, not in golf. Not in golf. Golf is a quiet sport. If you don't whisper while you're out there, you'll get kicked off the course. One day I went with my neighbor, and he brought one of his friends to the golf course with me. He brought a boom box with him to the golf course. Uh, I said, what is he doing? And he played that boom box through the whole round. I like, boy, what a distraction that could be. And it was, you know why? Because in golf, you have to hit this little thing. This big. And it takes complete focus on hitting this ball. And if you got noise in the background, a lot of times you're going to woof it and miss it. And I believe a lot of times Christians don't focus in life. They get distracted by the noise around them. There's a lot of noise. And once you get off course, guess what? Your destination is being missed. It's being missed. The second core value is integrity. It's kind of like honesty as well, too. But really, it's more about moral principles, moral principles that you should utilize. Then, of course, there's sportsmanship. That's the general behavior, treating others as you want to be treated. Amen. Is that a, a scripture you could think about? And the fourth principle is respect, deep admiration for someone. And then you need confidence playing golf. Now, when I first played, I had no confidence in golf at all. And everybody want to play golf, they want to invite me to a course that got houses around it. And if you can look at it, you probably can't see this, but can you see this ball right here? Can you see what's on that ball? Probably can't see it. It's a cross. So I'm going to be guilty as charged when this ball goes to somebody's house because why? My whole bag got the same thing on it. Has a cross on it. I had no confidence when I first started playing. But now I'm beyond confidence. I'm a little arrogant about the whole thing now. Pull out my PGA card here. That means I'm authorized because I have a handicap. And golf is a sport that everybody can play because you can get a handicap to play it. But before you go play, please look at the nine core values and don't be barbecuing at a golf course. The sixth value is called responsibility. Having a duty to deal with something. Amen. The seventh is perseverance. And this is something that we as believers should always have, simply meaning that a steadfastness in doing something difficult or delay in achieving success. You're going to persevere until you get to that goal. Amen. The eighth one is courtesy. Showing of politeness in one's attitude and behavior towards others. And the last one, the ninth core value is judgment, the ability to make sensible conclusions. Amen. So our nine core values, and we're going to translate those into golf. Now, when I play, I had a bad attitude. So all those nine, it was out the window. I would get frustrated because I would lose a lot. Then God told me, because God will teach you through anything if you listen to Him. I learned, first of all, that that person I'm playing with, whether they're twosome or foursome, they're not my competition. Oh, yeah, I missed that one. So you're walking through life competing with people, but they're not your competition. God said very clearly He that compares himself amongst himself, you're not wise. So those people I'm playing with are not my competition. Guess what is my competition? The course. The course. And with you, the course in life is your competition. In Ephesians 6:12, it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, right? So again, the course you have in life is a course that God has carved out for you. Now a lot of times, people don't like the course. And you want to try to change your alter your course. And what's going to happen is called delay. Because I didn't like the course God gave me. I'm going just right, Lord. I'm just thanking you for being on that football course. I'm doing very good, Jesus. Yes, I am. Oh, I'm going to be there, Lord. The NFL is right there. So I thought. But then God had a different plan in my life. And just because you excel in something doesn't mean that's going to be your end result. I had everything laid out for me, Pastor. I had major colleges look at me like I'm, I'm the man. I'm sorry, but I am the man. I am going to this school and this school only. Forget about the rest of them. And God will play into your arrogance as well, too. I want to go to Oklahoma because they own TV. I got to be seen. So everybody else, I'm rejecting right away. I don't care about you. I, I, thank you for the offer. But that's it. I'm not going want that. I want Oklahoma. So guess what? I get hurt and Oklahoma says, I don't need a scholarship. So now in my mind, I'm like, okay, let me go back over here now. Maybe they want to help me out still. But guess what? It's too late. Because you got to sign a letter of intent by a certain time. And if you don't, all scholarships are gone. So now I'm mad at God. I am mad at God because God gave me this gift. I got all these awards and I can't play football. God is behind the scenes stopping me from hurting myself. I'm going to show you why. But that didn't stop me. I talked to my coach. and said, I don't know what happened. He said, don't worry about it. I'm going to call University of Washington. I went there. They'll give you a scholarship. I, I can almost guarantee it. I get up there. All the scholarships are gone. He said, but you're good. If you, he said, if your parents can play for just one, pay for just one year, we'll give you a scholarship. I'm like, okay, I got this now. Guess what? I go up there, my dad loses his job. So now I'm really mad at God because God stopped me from going on. And that same year, they went to the Rose Bowl. So now I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to God no more. I'm done with you, God. I'm through. I'm finished. That's a 17. See, a 17, you're kind of ignorant. I was at least. But now, fast forward some 40 years, I didn't know I had spinal stenosis. You know what that is? That means you have a column where all these nerves are going down. Right. So one good hit and I'm paralyzed. You don't know why God's stopping you from doing things that you think you want to do. But God stopped me. Even in my ignorance, he stopped me. He saved me from me. And sometimes we want to just press the issue. We ought to stop and think and ask God, why is he allowing these things to happen to you? Or why is he stopping some things? from? It ain't always rebuke from Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. It's time for you to set aside some time and hear God's voice with clarity. To see exactly what God is saying to you in that season. And as time goes on, you're going to have some adverse seasons. You're going to have some great seasons, but you're going to have some seasons. Now, the Bible says very clearly that what? God always calls us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's the word. But are you triumphing every day? Are we situations? Think about it. Are you really triumphing every day? I want you to be honest with me. There's some days you're like, oh, Lord Jesus. Another one? I had that moment just this week. did we, baby? We had that say. We, had a, we came out of a victory. I'm believing God for miraculous money to come through. He came through. And all of a sudden, I got a letter in the mail. I'm like, what in the world? I, I mean, I just got a victory. And now this rascal's trying to throw another defeat at me. How do you handle it? Well, I believe that any believer can have true success in life if they do this one thing every day. Every day. You should be in Psalms right now. Chapter 1. Y'all should have got ahead of me. Amen. You're waiting for me now, right? (laughs) Psalms chapter one. Very familiar passage. It says, "Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the what? The law of the Lord. And in that law, He does what? Meditate. He meditates when? How often? Day and night. If you need a title for my message, it says meditate to success. That's my title. Meditate to success. Now, when I talk about meditation, I'm not talking about the Eastern religions of meditating. We're very clear about that. Their way of meditating is empty themselves of everything, amen. Now that's a bad thing to do because you keep in mind in Matthew chapter 12 says that when the unclean spirit is going out of place, a man he's looking for rest, right? And he'll come back with seven more wicked spirits in himself. So we're not talking about that kind of meditation where you're emptying yourself, we're talking about meditation on one thing and one thing alone, and that's meditating upon God's Word, amen. Go to, you should be there now, Joshua chapter 1. So you're going to meditate your way to success. New year, new me. Amen, right? New year, new me. Joshua chapter 1. You there? Verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt do what? Meditate therein. How often? Day and night. night, That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt have what? Make make that way prosperous. And then thou shalt have what? Good success. So meditation brings about success in every area of your life. But you have to meditate God's word over what you're going through i said earlier when jesus was attacked in the wilderness what he did was what he quoted god's word now meditation is a process it's a process just like growing something in the process the bible says in uh, mark chapter 4 verse 28 it says first the blade then the ear then the corn it's a process for it to come amen But you got to be consistently and persistently doing something in order for it to manifest itself. You can't do it one time. You have to be consistently doing it. So my question to you is simply this. Who should meditate every day? Who? Us, weans, right? We should meditate every day. Why should we meditate every day? To have what? To have good success. When should the believer meditate? Day and night. Day and night. That means that at some point you won't have the physical Bible with you, but you should have God's word still with you. Amen? Day and night we should meditate. Now the question I want to ask, where should the believer meditate? Where? Prove it to me. No, I said... Where should he meditate? Uh, Y'all say, but where? Prove it to me. Go to Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy chapter six. Remember, we, we need proof text on this thing. Put your eyes on it. Deuteronomy chapter number six. Old Testament. Go to the left. Go to the left. To the left. To the left. To the left. You there? Verse six says. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and thou shalt talk with them when thou, what, sittest in the house. So meditation should happen in your house. And when thou walks by the way, wherever you're going, you can meditate. You can do it at work. You can do it in your car. And when thou liest down, when thou risest up. So meditation should be something you do every day at every location you go to. If you got time for social media, you got time to meditate. I know I said that kind of fast. I'm going to say it real slow. If you got time for social media, you got time to meditate. That's tweetable. That's tweetable. So, what is meditation? Meditation means to mutter, to speak to oneself in a low tone, or speak under your breath. Or it can simply mean to talk out loud to yourself about what God's word is saying. Remember when David got into trouble and he was fearful? What did David do? It said he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. So meditation on God's word gives you confidence in what God's word is able to do for your circumstances. Now I'm, I'm going to bring up uh, Carl. Can you come a second, Carl? I think Carl a bootleg golfer. We're going to find out in a second. We gonna find out in a second. We gonna find out in a second. Carl, play golf. Play golf, a little bit. Okay. So these are called sticks, right? Okay, sticks. Okay. I believe Joe knows a little bit. Okay, sticks. So what are this called right here? Driver. Okay. How about uh, this thing right here? can you see it. Let me let me, me cover her. She's naked. Boop. Putter. Close it back up now. She's a putter. Okay. Put it back in there. Okay. And the rest of these are called what? Clubs, okay. He called them clubs. They're called irons. Irons, okay. Irons. Okay, Okay. you ever seen any golf tricks before? Never seen any golf tricks? Oh, yeah. Tiger, Woods. Tiger Woods, what did he do? Prior to that, what did he do? You don't recall he was tapping it a little bit? Yeah. What club do you think he used with that? Putter, putter. Ah, wrong. Okay, let's try this. He used a wedge. He used a wedge, Okay. Now, this wedge is kind of unique. It's at an angle, right? Okay. Can you hold that, please, for a second, Carl? Okay. Now, I don't know Carl that well about golf. He said he plays, but I believe he's a bootleg golfer. So, I'm going to give Carl a tennis ball. He won't try the real ball because I don't know what the insurance is about this policy. Can't nobody get hit around here, amen? So, we're going to let Carl try to uh, balance it a little, Just tap it a little bit. What the world now, hold on a second. Did he say he played a little golf? Okay, let's see it again, Carl. Let's see it again. What, what the world now? You think I'm gonna give him this ball <laughs> one more time, Carl? One more time, Carl. One more time. Hey, go, Carl. Go, Carl. Oh, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Okay, okay, okay. Play a little bit, right? A little bit, okay. Let me try this right here. Let me see. So I haven't played golf since Father's Day, but I practiced a lot prior to that. I, I, I go out and hit balls all the time, right? So, um, this is a little golf ball, right, Carl? Okay, it's not big. Oh, oh, oh! I'm bootleg too. I'm bootleg too. Uh-oh! What's that, Carl? See that, Carl? Carl, what's that? Carl, 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 what's that? Carl, what's that, Carl? See that? It's not tennis ball. <laughs> it's a regular golf ball. Okay, 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 okay. Thank you, Carl. Why was I able to do that, you think? Practice. First of all, I asked Carl, which tool was he able to use? He didn't know. Right? So I helped him. I said, use this one right here, Carl. Then he used it, but he still wasn't able to be efficient with it. Right? Why was that? Because Carl didn't practice with that. Carl knew about golf, but he didn't know what tool to use and he didn't know how to practice with that tool that he tried to use. So what did I do? I gave him a bigger aid, a training aid. How oh, are y'all missing? I could tell. I gave him a bigger training aid so he can practice with it a little bit. So he gets better with it. Then all of a sudden he gets confidence with it. And then hopefully he can get out there and play. Right. But I wouldn't take calls to the course right away, though. Looking at his experience, I take him to the driving range first. See, the driving range is where you can go hit the ball. It don't matter where you go. Ball go over there, go over there, it don't matter. But on the course of life, you got to be precise. Because if you're off a little bit, it can hit a house and then you got a problem. But it takes something that Carl needed was practice in order to do that. I think with time, Carl will be okay with that. But it takes practice. Something people hate to do is practice. They want to go out and participate, but they hate to practice. Practice. You got to practice this word every day. You can't take a time off for it. You got to get into the word and practice. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. You have to practice. If you don't practice, you're going to be in trouble. Can I ask you a question, Carl, while you were there? Did you feel pressure at all? A little bit. He felt pressure. And that's what happens to us when Satan comes against us. You feel pressure because you haven't been practicing. Because, see, you're on display. You're a Christian, so now you're out in this big old world on display for God. And now Satan comes against you and you get a little nervous because you haven't been practicing. You, you don't know where to go. You don't know what tool to use. You don't know what scripture to go. Because you haven't been practicing. You haven't been practicing. You have to practice God's word. And you have, the way you practice God's word is you talk about it over and over and over and over and over and over again. You speak to yourself saying this is what God's word says. You keep saying it over again until it becomes part of who you are. Luke chapter 4. It, verse 1 says and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean the Holy Spirit going to take you someplace there's trouble going to be at? Absolutely. Absolutely. Being 40 days tempted of the devil, in those days he did eat nothing. And when they ended, he afterwards he hungered. And the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Watch Jesus. And Jesus answered him and said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds of God. And the devil takes them up into a high mountain, showing them all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Can that be done now? Go to the Internet. Satan tries to tempt you all kind of ways to get you off course. And it could be a job. Let me, can, I, can I pause for a second? It could be a job. I'm in Silicon Valley, y'all. I'm there before it blew up. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But again, you ought to pray to see, are you in the right place that God wants you to be in? It looks real good because I'm you, I work for IBM. And back then you work for a while, then you get a six month sabbatical. Who does that? And I'm excited about that. But is that what God wants you to be at? And that's why you be careful because this system called mammon. It'll draw you away from what God wants you to do. Now, if I stayed there in the valley, I never went to Haiti. I never been doing what I'm doing in ministry because why? I got off course again, thinking that I'm in the center of God's will because I'm blessed. And be careful what you call blessed. Money is a a tool that God uses for you, but sometimes it can get you off course as well, too. Okay, that's my sidebar. Back to the book. And the devil said unto him, all this power I will give thee and the glory of them, for they are delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will give it, and if thou therefore will worship me, all is thine. Let's drop down now to verse 13, because this is my key verse. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for how long? For a season. For a season. Don't fall asleep during that season when everything is fine. Because he's coming back. Be on guard at all times. Now, I always give my testimony about my my tax debt. I was 70,000 plus in debt. And at that time, I didn't have 70 cents. So what do you do? Baby, you got it? <laughs> we both are going to jail, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, prison ministry here, coming up. <laughs> seventy thousand plus, seventy plus thousand dollars in debt. What can I do? I'm in trouble, right? I, I'm serious, I'm in trouble because the first time something comes to you that's out of your control, the first thing that happens to you is fear and panic. Because God has given us a creative mind, I saw myself in prison. So when Satan comes to you, you've been having a counterattack. And I did. Go with me real quickly. All I had was this word. This word is good, though. Go to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Satan comes in like a flood, doesn't he? I mean, he's going to bring everything he has to come against you. But you better learn how to counterattack his attack. So when I got a call from my accountant, she told me how much I owe. Now, that week, I'm going to Haiti. I'm excited about going to Haiti that week. She gave me that call. I'm like, oh, Lord, I can't even go to Haiti. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's the natural side. But I had something down on the inside that kicked in real quick. I had this one scripture that dealt with taxes. So you got to get in the book, baby. (laughs) The answer's in the book. Matthew chapter 17, I'm gonna read verse 27 for you. Verse 24, I'm gonna read first. And when they were come to Capernaum, that they received tribute, tribute is taxes, money, and came to Peter and said, Doeth not your master pay taxes? Verse 27, notwithstanding lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast in the hook, and take up the first fish that cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth and thou find a piece of money, that take and give unto them for me and for thee. Okay, okay, okay. I owe dollars in taxes, don't have no money. Can't go to mama and them. You know what mama and them is? Mama's all the family. But I had a word that says, okay, Jesus, he in the earth realm, he had taxes due. I said, God, you know respect of persons. You pay Jesus' taxes while he's in the earth realm, I need mine paid. Before I'm going ahead, I get a call back from my town, Edward. Your tax debt is gone. It's canceled. Sweetheart, is that right, baby? Gone. Why? Because the word works. All I did was quote word on my situation. And word began to manifest itself. I told you for like almost two and a half years, we were like, we were short. we were walking in scarcity. We were close, not close to poverty, but we were scarcity. We were barely making it for two and a half years. So then we get a court date because we want our money back. I want my money back, Pastor Derry. But every day we're declaring that we're getting our money back. We're getting back, but I need scripture to declare that. Well, God said, I will restore. So we go to court now and I believe in God for the restore. Now the big mistake I made was not listening to God. God told me I'm going to restore our lawyer was like, he gave us every reason why we were going to lose the case. I listen to my wife, I'm like, why do we hire this rascal for? And that's the key. You got to listen to God, baby, because I'm telling you. same will use somebody on your team to get off your team, to get you off course. So he's working for us and telling us every reason why we won't win. They go in there. Now, keep in mind, God's behind the scene working his thing out. I don't know how he do it. I just know he does it. God behind the scene, my wife and the lawyer goes in there and the judge is sick. Oh, that's a victory right there. I can see that now. So now I have to do a judge that's doing close uh, circuit TV. So they go in there and they come out and the lawyer says, hey, uh, I know I'm going to do this, but uh, y'all won the case. He told us in advance that we already won the case. But guess what? For so me not listening to God, I got to pay this rascal some money now because I listen to God. <laughs> but keep in mind now, I'm mad because, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. The Bible says when a thief is found, he got to pay sevenfold. I got sevenfold come more. So guess what now? We find out now they owe my daughter some money. And you know why? I believe because she's a tither. The Bible says I'll open some windows up heaven and pour you out a blessing. Why? She put the word on it too. The word, it always works, saints. So no matter what comes your way, you got to operate out of this word. So I told you this past week, I got some bad news. I got some bad news. This rascal trying to sue me now. I'm like, what in the world? I told her, why I think she said, uh, what next? Okay, that's the initial thing, right? Okay, 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 okay. I got to find some word now, Derry. I got to find some word for this one. I got to find some word for this one. And I've been studying this word so much, I'm going to tell you what I found. Go to second, um, second Kings. Go to Second Kings. I found some word, pastor, put on this. this oh, I found some word. I'm about to light this rascal up. He going to be in trouble when I'm done with him. He going to be in trouble when I get through with him. Second Kings chapter 19. I won't read the whole thing for, for time's sake. But I'm going to tell you what to do when you get bad news in the mail. This, this works. The backdrop of the story simply is that King Hezekiah got a threat from a king of Assyria. And he said simply that, well, you know what? I'm taking you out, Pastor Derry. I don't care who your God is. I'm taking you out. As a matter of fact, he's going to boast about it. He said, haven't you heard about it? I took out all these other kings before. You next. You next in line. You were next in line. But Hezekiah knew about God. Go down to verse 14. Watch what Hezekiah does. And this is what I did. Chapter 19, verse 14. You there? And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messenger and he read it. You ever read bad news before? And Hezekiah went up. Where did he go? To the house of the Lord. Guess what? And by home, I got this place called Bethel. That's what me and God meet at. He spread the letter out before God. That's what I did. I took that letter. I said, Lord, here you go, Lord. Now, my initial reaction was just like Hezekiah. Because <laughs> when Hezekiah first heard it, he put it on fast cross and he was, he was nervous. But then he came to his senses. He took the letter, took it to the house of God. And then he began to brag on God. Verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art God, even thou alone, and all the kings of the earth that thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thy ear and hear upon, open, Lord, thine ears, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Whenever you're being attacked, it's not you they're attacking. They are coming against the God you serve. Of oh, a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and, the, and their lands. Now, listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. If you get a bad doctor's report, if you get a bad report economically, don't deny the report. Let me say it again. You get a bad doctor report or a bad economic report. Don't deny the report. They are giving you facts. When I had a tax bill, it was a fact. I owe 70 plus thousand dollars. That's a fact. But what you got to give them back is the truth. (laughs) You got to go to God's words and give them the truth. The word says that my God will supply all my needs. Give them the truth. If Satan gives you a lot about your body, nope, by his stripes I am healed. And you say that every day until that body comes in line with God's word. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands. So he tells them, yep, this is what happened. And have cast their gods into the fire, for there were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God. I beseech thee, I urge thee, save thou us out of his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou alone. When you're going through something, God is putting you on display for the whole world to see. That's my child. and They coming out of that. But your job is to meditate on God's word so you won't get into a mode of panic and disarray. This book of the law, shall not depart of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein when, day and night. Then you'll begin to have good success. But you got to meditate, saints. You got to meditate because this old mind of ours, it plays tricks on us all the time. Your mind, it's a funny thing, your mind. It really is. Go to 2 Corinthians. God has laid out a pattern for us to walk in victory. And we got to take that pattern and do it. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. You there? Verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You're there, right, amen. Verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing what? Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See, what happens is the moment something comes against you, your mind begins to paint a picture. Well, I got that tax bill. I'm like, prison ministry could be okay, I guess. (laughs) Why? I'm way down the line. I'm seeing things. My mind is running rampant. Now, God created our mind for his purpose. The creativity you have, that's to glorify God. But when you use it the wrong way, it puts you in bondage. It brings about strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold, if you don't deal with it to begin with, it's that thought dogging you out every day. That's why he said, take every thought captive. When you don't take a thought captive, it becomes the imagination. If you don't deal with the imagination, it becomes a stronghold. So you get a bad report from the doctor better deal with it right away because if you don't, you're going to get on the internet and then you're going to see imaginations. They're going to tell you everything that's going to happen to that person. And sister so-and-so had that and she gone and brother so-and-so had that. I don't compare myself to anybody. I'm sticking to the book. I came back from Haiti and I had this bad, bad virus in my stomach. They said it was malaria. Now, I went to the doctor because I want to find out what it is. And it was malaria. So every day, I'm in battle now. I'm in battle. And I'm sticking to the word. Because you know what? They ain't really got a good cure for malaria. You hear what I said? So now, I got a choice to make. I am believe what doctors say. Or I don't believe what Dr. Jesus said. So I went over here and said, Dr. Jesus, you've been around a lot longer than that doctor. So I'm sticking to your word. So every day I declare God's word, I declare God's word, I declare God's word, I declare God's word. And I'm standing before you right now. You got to stay on God's word until you see manifestation. You got to stay on that word. Don't deviate to the left or to the right. Stick right there on that pathway. Stay on that pathway. I got so much to say, but I'm going to stop right there. You know what I found out? God gave me a scenario, and I'm going to give you what God gave me. How many of you guys have ever seen The Wizard of Oz? Okay, which version? Did <laughs> you see Michael, Michael, Michael Jackson's version? He's on down, he's on down the road. Remember that one? He has some dumb song in there. You can't win. Remember that song? And we played it over and over in our mind. And God said, most Christians are like Dorothy. Toto is all I carry We carry Toto around everywhere we go. And then all of a sudden, Toto runs off and Toto finds who? Scarecrow. You run off. From God's word, and you're getting earthly advice. And the word just said that you don't take counsel with the ungodly. Why? Because scarecrow had no brain. So now you're taking the scarecrow with you. Because why? You are going to see the wizard? You off to see the wizard, right? So you now and the scarecrow are headed down to see the wizard. Guess what now? You run to the Tin Man. Tin Man ain't got no heart. So now it's you, the Scarecrow, Toto, and the Tin Man. Off to see the Wizard. Now you run to the Lion. He ain't got no courage. So now it's you, Toto, Scarecrow, the Tin Man and a cowardly lion, and you have to go see the wizard. And you're going down the yellow brick road. The yellow brick road. God says that the path he wants you on is a straight and narrow path. So you're carrying all the people with you down the yellow brick road. See, you gotta watch who's in your ear The cowardly lion telling you what he wouldn't do? The scarecrow having no brain telling you what to do? <laughs> but are we listening to those rascals? Get off the yellow brick road, saints. Let that cowardly lion go. Let the scarecrow grow. Let the tin man go. And Toto, throw him away. <laughs> because Toto got it. Paul got Dorothy in trouble because he always ran off somewhere. He fought the Scarecrow. You know what the assembly stands is? Whatever weight or sin that so easily besets us, cast it away and you run the race with patience. But as you're going, don't go alone. Talk to yourself about the word of God. When you meditate day and night, say what God has said about the situation. Don't say what the situation is. We know what what that says. You got to counterattack that situation with God's word. But you can't do that if you're not in here. You have to be in here now god he forces me to walk by faith he wants me to walk he wants you to walk by faith too when i left silicon valley making a ton of money i left that job making six dollars and 50 cents i was so mad at god following his direction i can't even buy me no house i'm being apartment forever oh jesus why did i leave why did i do that god I was following God's direction. And when you follow God's direction, he'll never, ever fail you. He'll never fail you. So my wife and I, we listened to people. Well, you can't afford a house in Oakland. I still tell them, right, you cannot afford a house in Oakland. And we were kind of listening to them. So we were going and driving to Antioch. We were driving to Antioch. We were driving to Lael. Why? Because in our minds, we can afford that. Until one day, I heard heaven speak. And when I heard heaven speak, we got confidence. And what we do, babe, we wrote the vision out. We want this kind of house, we want this, we want this. And we thought we'd do we thought we what we wanted, really. But one thing we knew, that stop going out there where we thought you could afford. So we concentrated now in Oakland. My wife and I, I love that woman. So one day, <laughs> We thought we had the house in Oakland. We both work at nighttime, so we had a romantic date. Guess what? In our house, we thought it was going to be ours. We'd be in the backyard having picnics. Remember that? We'd be in the back. This is our house. We're claiming this house. This is our house. You hear me, Tracy? This is my house. I'm in somebody else's property, but this is my house. <laughs> We're in the backyard. we we walking around the place, right? Now, keep in mind, God will do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or think, or imagine, right? Is that the word? Yeah. So me and my wife said, this is the one we want, Lord. I don't think God answered us a word. It just didn't happen. So one day, were we driving down by that street? We were driving down the street because, keep in mind, we wrote down what we wanted. We want to live on a court, we want a four bedrooms, and we want a view. So we happened to drive on the street, and I think there's a man out there in front of this house with a silence saying, for sale. I keep in mind, now the enemy started running through my mind. You can't afford this house. You can't afford this house. So we asked him, you selling your house? Yeah, I'm selling it. Matter of fact, he got mad. He said, uh, I'm getting rid of this house. I can't walk up and down the stairs anymore. So again, we made an offer. It's, it's good to go. So we thought. So now, the bank, I won't name them the bank, they want to get involved. They tell a man, you sell your house too cheap. God gave us a deal on that house. So now, guess, See, let me tell you something. Every time God's going to bless you, there's always going to be a hindering spirit to stop you from getting it. So now the bank's telling this man about our business. All their job was to do was to praise the place. So now the man changes his mind. That was a lie. Yeah, he is a liar. I want my house. So we're still in the word, still in the word. And we got a house. You One thing I learned about our Christian walk, you can't vacillate. One minute you believe in God, next minute you're not believing God. I'm believing God. I'm not believing God. You can do the dance. I'm believing. I'm not believing. I'm believing. I'm not believing. That man or woman shall not receive anything from the Lord. You have to have a stable walk with God. And what stabilizes you is this word. Because when things go bad, you go back to the word again. You can look at it. Put your eyes on it. Put your eyes on it get it in your heart and renew your mind. New year, new me. Get your mind right this year, saints. Don't think the way you used to think anymore. Think the way God thinks. He has said, I've given you the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And I'll pick up next week where I left off at. Is it God good? God is good all the time because God never changes.
0: You have been listening to Pastor Edward Anderson with a message titled Meditation to Success. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at alwc.us. On our site, you'll find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is alwc.us. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com abundantlifeworship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast, and until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.